This month we are talking about the supernatural. And today I'm calling it Winning in the Spirit. And I'll be honest, when I was driving here, I kind of felt it was a little bit presumptive to call it Winning in the Spirit because I feel like it's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's God that does that on our behalf. But all the same, I believe that we prep ourselves and prepare ourselves to be one in the Spirit and to win in the Spirit through the power of the Spirit. And this month is about supernatural, which is often a weird thing to talk about, a supernatural. If any of you watch the TV show Stranger Things, you know, you're into that. We all love to be entertained by the supernatural, but when supernatural stuff comes along, we're like, whoa, I'm not into that type of stuff because it's often scary. It's often challenging. It's often something that feels more powerful than what we can actually handle, but we do love to be entertained by it. I've got a question for you this morning. I want to start off with something really simple. I'm going to ask you a simple question. By a show of hands, how many of you believe that you should exercise? By a show of hands, how many of you believe you should exercise? So that's there's a few of you who don't have your hands up, so I'm worried for you guys, but most of you believe that. Okay. Here's my next question. How many of you exercise as much as you believe you should by a show of hands? All right, so we're down to about 5% of the people who actually put their hands up on the last question. Isn't that interesting how we actually have a belief of what we should do, but we don't actually do it? Most of us believe that we want to be like this guy that we see on a picture on the screen as a guy who's on a treadmill and he's running and he looks fit and he's not sweating, he's just glistening, right? And he's on the treadmill and he's running away and he's getting fit. That's the type of person we want to be. Maybe that's the type of person we think we are. But we actually end up looking like this person (laughs) when we actually do try and work out. We're kind of planting our face on the ground because we've fallen off the treadmill. And we just have a bad experience when it comes to exercise. It's funny when we talk about these types of things. Because the question I have for you is, why don't you do what you believe you should do? Why don't you do what you think you should do? You know it's the right thing. You know, I I actually think that most of us are into the idea of fitness, but the only fitness that we're really into is fitness donut into our mouths, right? And we'd we'd rather be about the business of putting a donut in our mouths than we would be about actually exercising. Why don't we do what we don't, what we really wanna do? The simple answer is this. I don't wanna, I don't wanna do it. But I should do it, Peter. You really need to do it. It's the right thing to do. But I don't want to. And so we have this response that is a contradiction to what we say our belief is. The funny thing is that many of us even will wear the clothes that are exercise clothes, right? We'll put them on the Saturday morning. I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm ready for the day. And then you sit down on the couch and you watch cable TV, right? Or, or maybe some of you wear, well, anyone who wears yoga pants, Andrew, put your hands down. I don't want to see your yoga pants. Okay, yoga pants. You put yoga pants on, but you never actually use them for yoga or for exercise. It's just, they just feel so comfortable. I can stretch like this. But you don't actually end up stretching and doing exercising. You're like wearing the clothes. You're like saying that you think you should exercise, but you don't actually end up exercising as much as you do. Guess what? The great apostle Paul said the exact same thing. He said, where I do not understand my own actions, I do not do what I want, but I do do all the things that I actually hate. I hate not being healthy. I hate looking at the the mirror and saying I'm out of shape. But by the way, round is a shape as well as pear, okay? I'm not in the shape that I want to be in is what we're really saying. I'm not in the shape that I want to be. I hate that I'm not in the shape that I want to be and I don't do the things that I want to do, but I end up doing the things that I actually hate about myself or hate about life. 
Why don't we do what we believe we should do? Well, the answer is quite simply this. It's not as easy as saying that it's a mental choice. Because we don't just make our decisions through our brains. We make our decisions through our brains and through our bodies. In fact, Tim Keller puts it like this. He said, there are three wisdoms. There are three battlegrounds. There are three challenges. And it's this. It's the physical, it's the psychological, and it's the spiritual. And they're all connected together. Your body is connected to your mind. Your mind is connected to your body. They're all connected together. Now, let me take an example of this. Craig, if you don't mind coming up on the stage for me, I believe uh, Craig's on the side here, and I'm going to give you an interesting way of looking at this, right? So Craig, he doesn't look like he needs to work out that much, right? I mean, look at him. This guy is as skinny as you can get. You don't even look like you're eating donuts anymore. Okay, Craig, do you believe you should exercise? Yes. He does. That's a good thing, isn't it? It's wonderful. He has the right mindset. Craig, do you exercise as much as you think you should? No. Now we're all disappointed. What a failure. He's not doing what he thinks he should do. All right, I want, I want you to do me a favor. Could you get down on the ground and do me some push-ups here? Some, some push-ups right here on the ground. You ready? We're going to count them off. Here we go. One, two, three, four, 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 five. Excellent. Thanks, buddy. That is awesome. Look at this. Give him a round of applause there. There you go. That's good. Woo. You can feel his muscles just building up right now. <laughs> Ladies, this guy's available, by the way. He's 5'8", uh, whatever. Um, so, so, so tell me, why did you just do that? You told me to do it. <laughs> what the heck just happened there? He did the exercise that he believes he should do because I told him to do it? Does that make sense? Does that make sense at all? Why would we do something because someone else told us to do it, but we won't do the very thing that we believe we should do? It took someone else to tell, to tell him to do something that he can do, he believes he can do, and he has all the time in the world to do. But he, did you do any push-ups before you got up this morning? No. Before you got up? After you got up this morning? No, okay. But it took me to tell you. Excellent. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Give him a round of applause. <laughs> Let me change the example here, because there's a connection between the brain and the mind, the brain and the body, sorry. Let me say, for example, let's say I want to take you out golfing. I'm like, hey, buddy, would you like to go out golfing? Let's go out golfing this weekend. Now, some of you would go, yeah, that's an awesome idea. Let's go out golfing. I'd love to go out golfing. Are you paying? Yeah, I'll pay. I'll take you out golfing. If you want to, let's do it so you come out golfing with me. It's a great Emotion, a great experience, a great thing to do. We're going to get some exercise. We'll walk all the way. We'll be swinging at balls and we'll not be doing very well, but we'll have a great time together. But some of you might go, nah, it's not my type of thing. It's not really what I'm into. How is it that we all have different reactions? Maybe you have a different reaction because you've played golf before and it was terrible. All you did was walk miles and all you did was keep missing the hole and now you're sweating and it took half the day and it was miserable. Maybe you went golfing with your father who's very competitive and he was constantly shouting at you and how terrible you were and you had a bad experience of what you were hoping to have when it came to golfing. And some of you are like, I had great experiences. What I'm trying to point out is this, that most of our choices in life, most of our responses in life are based on emotions. 
If you'd never heard of golf before, if you had never seen it before, if you'd never uh, 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 been around it at all, then you wouldn't have an emotional response. You would have a logical response, which was, what is golf? What is that? Can you explain it to me? But most things that we have in life, the challenges that we have in front of us, the opportunities that we have in front of us, we believe that we cognitively make choices about those things when the fact is we are actually making emotional choices about them. And those emotional choices are usually predicated and are usually connected to something that was always in the past, something that has been past experiences. Your mind is connected and often controlled by your body. Look at this. The Bible even agrees with me. Now, we went through a whole series a couple months ago on the book of James. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go back on our website or wherever you get your podcasts and go through this whole teaching. It was phenomenal for a whole month. And one of the things that scripture that jumped out to me during that time was James chapter 3, verses 2. And we never got time to go into it. But it says this, anyone who is never at fault in what they, what does that word say? say, anyone who's never at fault in what they say, that's the words that come out of your mouth, the words are just manifested thoughts, your mind is creating thoughts, and then they come out through your mouth, what, who, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. And then he is able to keep his whole, what does the word say? Body in check. How is it that your mind and your words are connected to your body? You see, there's a battle that is going on in our mind. There's a battle that's going on in the, psych in the psychological. And he's saying, if you're never at fault, if you're not failing, if you're not losing the battle in what you think and what you say, then you're able to keep control of what your body is. And it's not just about telling your body to exercise. It's actually telling your body to stop controlling your life, to tell your body to stop being in charge. See, the problem is oftentimes we are sad, we're depressed, we're discouraged, we're, we're, we're fearful, we're, we're bitter. We're going through all these things because our body has got all these emotions narrowed up inside of us and they're controlling our thoughts. They're controlling our mind. The interesting thing is how many of us have actually gone to the gym and we know we could go to a gym. We didn't go to the gym. We thought we should go to a gym. But now what we have to do is pay someone else to tell me to go to the gym. I have to pay someone else to tell me to do the very exercise I know I should do. Listen, if that's what it takes, then you should do it. If you, can't, if you can't compete and win the battle of your mind, if you can't win the battle of your body, then you're going to have to give control or authority or power over to someone else or something else to get you to do the things that you know you should do, but you have a battle between your mind and your body. You follow me so far? You see how this works? The mind and the body must come together to work together to overcome what is in this flesh so that you can win it in the spirit. Let me show you how this came about. Let me show you where it came from from the beginning of time because this is nothing new to us as humans. Look at this. They've got a picture of Adam and Eve up there. Now, most of you know the stories of Adam and Eve, but a quick recap is this. Adam and, uh, God made Adam and Eve in the beginning he made the heavens and the earth and the garden and everything was beautiful and everything was perfect. Everything was under the control. Everything was, was clear in their mind. They didn't have fear. They didn't have worry. They didn't have anything. And then the serpent came along who was the, 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 the deceiver, the Lucifer, the, the, the devil, whatever you want to call him. He came in the form of the serpent and he challenged them and he got them to change the way that they did things. He got them first and foremost, they changed their mind and then they lost all relationship with God and they lost they, they brought sin into the world. 
And let me show you how it, went, how it goes step by step. Here's the first thing. Adam and Eve's battle started in the psychological. In Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did he really say it? And this is what often many of us go through. We're going through words. We're going through conversations. We're going through arguments that are changing our thinking just the same way that it's changing Eve's thinking. Do you have arguments in your life? Do you have arguments in your mind? Are you, you double-minded and in two minds? Are you in the place where you're saying, should I stay in this relationship or should I go? Should I stay in this church or should I go? Should I buy now or should I sell? Should I speak up or should I be silent? Should I live or should I kill myself and die? Should I give in or should I keep fighting? Should I trust this God or should I suspect him? Should I obey what he's told me to do or should I question everything? And we're having this battle in our minds and it's going back and forward. And let me tell you, the enemy is involved in this. He will do whatever he can to try and discourage you, to try and bring things against you, to make you swing to the dark side, Obi-Wan Kenobi, to, to swing to the dark side, Luke. He will try and make you swing to a place that makes you choose your own way. But the Bible says this, not my way be done, but yours be done is what Jesus said. And he showed us that example. And as it was uh, battled in the psychological, it was then manifested in the physical. In Genesis 3, chapter 6 and 7, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. You see what happened in the psychological is now manifesting in the physical. And, uh, and it says, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now look at that word realized. They realized. They didn't just know. They didn't just have a thought. But they had an emotion. What was that emotion? It was shame. They had an emotion of sin. They had an emotion of separation. And this is what happens with fear, with brokenness, with bitterness, with sin, with anger. It always manifests in your body because these are emotions as well as they are wills, as well as the fact that they are acts. They're also emotions and our, our emotions, our bodies always react and manifest in emotion. And as they battled it in the physical, it, in, sorry, as they battled it in the psychological, they manifested it in the physical. It then led to the place where the battle was lost in the spiritual. In verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see what just happened there? As soon as they lost the battle in their mind, they lost it in their body. And as soon as they lost the battle in their mind and their body, they were now separated from God. There was a disconnect from God in the spirit. You see, the spirit is basically just a realm that is not tethered to physical time and space. It's something that is beyond us and yet right close to us. It connects us with God, which is not necessarily, he is in heaven that is somewhere else and yet it's right close to us because it's tethered by the spirit. The spirit connects us to God, but it also connects us to future generations, Future generations can reap the consequences of the choices we're making today. 
The choices I make in sin can actually have an effect of a curse on future generations that don't even exist here on earth today. That's what the power of the Spirit is. And even, even Paul said this. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but by powers and principalities. And he's not saying that we should ignore flesh and blood, but he is saying the results, the ultimate winning of the battle is in the Spirit. It's not in the flesh and in the blood. But that's where we live is in flesh and in blood. It's in flesh and it's in the mental. And we have to fight for the right to be able to live in the kingdom of God, as the Beastie Boys said. You've got to fight for the right. Never mind. Okay. Let me give you an example about this, if you don't mind. Recently, Crystal and I went up to uh, 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 Dallas. And she works for a group called IGM, as many of us are a part of IGM, and they fight human trafficking around the world. In fact, they are the largest group in the world for fighting human trafficking, and the work that they do is amazing, and we're so privileged to be a part of what they do. And this year, they did a 20th anniversary of being in business, of being a ministry. And some guy came along who's very wealthy, and he said, I want to fly in every one of your field officers from around the world to one place so we can all celebrate together. Someone pointed up all the money for it. 5,000 people were at this conference and they came from China, they came from India, they came from South America, they came from uh, India and, and, and uh, Philippines and, and all these different places where they've got offices. And, and Crystal and I were thinking about it and thought, this is a phenomenal moment. This is a moment in history. In fact, this is going to be the greatest gathering of modern day emancipators in history. I want to be there. I want to be in that room with the people who are literally, physically releasing people from slavery and fighting for people's lives. How cool and how exciting will that be? And so what we did is we took our children out of school, but made sure they did their homework on the road, right? And we took our children out of school, and we took them to this great place in Dallas, and 5,000 people, and it's awesome. And then the first day we get there, Rowan gets sick. That's no problem. Crystal, you go to the meetings that you got to go to, because she's got to do two days of meetings before the actual conference starts. I'll look after the kids, no problem. So I'm at home with our and the temperature spiking, they're getting a fever, and they're just getting sick, and then it would come down. It looks like everything's fine. Great. Okay, it looks like we're good for the next day. The next day comes along, fever spikes, and it gets sick all over again. Oh, just keep getting her cool, keep getting her Tylenol, whatever it is, getting her cold bath, and, and, and just keep looking after my child, and then it looks like she's getting better. Then the next day, comes to the conference, sick again, all over again. And I could feel the tension starting to build up inside of me. I could feel it in my body. Has anyone ever had that before? Any parents? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Yeah? You can feel the tension just building up. Just the, oh, I just want you to be better. You're really just throwing a wrench in my works and my designs and my plans. Things are falling apart. You're not, you're not making this go easy. And you say you can't blame the child because they're sick and yet you mm, wish they were better. Please just, just will yourself to be better. Will yourself. I know I should do. I should pray. So in the name of Jesus, just pray. You know, get out of her. I rebuke you sickness in the name of Jesus. Didn't get better. <laughs> and now I'm like, God, are you not hearing my prayers? You know, you told me to come to this conference. You told me I should, you put this in my heart. I should be at this conference. You brought my, you, you put it in my heart to bring my children to be a part of something that is historical, that is going to be life-changing. You told me to bring them to this, and yet sickness is upon us. You can do something about this, God. And the second day of the conference comes along, still sick, 
getting worse. Now throwing up bile. Why? Because there's no food in her stomach because she's throwing up bile. And I'm just the guy holding the hair over the toilet, right? And I'm like, this is not good. And I got to the point where I said this, I wish I hadn't come. This is a bust for me. It would have been better if I just stayed home. Because if we were home, we would have been in our own environment. I would have had my own medications, my own treatments, my own way of coping with difficult times. I would have been in my own position, my own place, my own control. I would have been in a better place if I just hadn't come. I wish I hadn't come. And then the last night came and Crystal said, I can't do one more meeting. I've had four days of constant meetings. My brain is mush. I can't do any more. You go to the last conference meeting at night. I'm going to stay home with the kids. I'm like, great. Okay, let's do it. So I went to the conference and the worship starts up and I'm in the middle of the worship and I realize I ain't feeling it. I ain't connecting in the Holy Spirit. My body is not responding in the way it should do. My mind is not responding in the same way it should do. You know why? Because I lost it in the spirit. I lost it in the psychological. I lost it in the physical. And I couldn't get connected to the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, I had to repent. And I had to say, God, I I know where I went wrong. It's not because my daughter got sick. It's because I said, I wish I'd never come. My response is where I lost the battle. And I had to repent, and then I had to decide, I will worship my God. Worship is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing that, that if you can learn how to grasp onto you, you can, it can help you to overcome the very things that are in the physical and in the psychological. And many of you have gone through this. You've gone through disappointments in life. You've gone through things that you wish you could have achieved, but you didn't achieve. Maybe someone has sinned against you and they've hurt you. Maybe they've, they've taken away your virginity. Maybe they have abused you. Maybe they have uh, uh, physically hurt you by beating you when you're growing up. Maybe they have not been good parents in your life. Maybe you've been through a broken marriage. Maybe you've been rejected by your parents. Maybe you've been through all those things and these emotions are built up in your life and they create this tension inside of you and you're disconnected from the Holy Spirit. You're disconnected from being connected to the Father. Father, I can't feel you. You said you're my Father. You said I'm your child. You said I'm meant to be close to you. What's happened to me? Why am I in this position? Why didn't he rescue my daughter? Why didn't he take away the sickness so I could go ahead and fulfill what he had called me to do? But one thing I've learned about God is that he wants to take you to a place where he is in relationship with you. Not that you achieve and get everything that you want, but that he gets what he wants in his relationship with you. And in the middle of that worship, I felt God gave me personally a word about what I needed to do. And he gave me a simple word and he said, pray more. And in my mind, I came to this whole conference just to hear God say, pray more. Could I not have done that in Orlando? Could I not have done that in another place? The answer is no. Because I wasn't ready to hear it. And I think that what God does is he allows us to go through these challenges and these difficult times so that you can become everything that you're being designed to be so that he can have the relationship that he has always wanted to have. You see, what he's trying to do in you is a complete upside down world and a complete turning, turning everything upside down of what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And what we've been doing is repeating the process, losing the battle in our mind, losing the battle in our body. 
If you don't know how to overcome things in your body or overcome things in your mind, then you've got to find a way to put yourself in a position of authority and accountability that allows you to be trained to do the right thing. That's what we do when we go to the gym. We pay someone else. We pay other people to train us. Why wouldn't we help ask other people's help to try and train us to do the things that we know we're meant to do in all the rest of our lives, like our, our marriages, like our businesses, like our education, like our health, like our ministry, like our calling, whatever it is. If you're losing in the battle of the mind or in your body, find someone else that can help you to overcome those things. I'm gonna give you three pieces of advice today. This is just simply something that I do every day that I can. And these are three things that I've just honed over the years to, to put into my life has really helped me to stay focused on the things that I need to stay focused. Why do I need to be so mindful and intentional of doing those things? Because there is an enemy out there and he is in a battle against me and he operates in the spirit and knows how to manipulate me in the physical and in the psychological. His name is Lucifer. His name is the evil one. He is here to seek, to steal, to kill, and destroy is what Jesus said, but he came to give life and life to the full. And here's the three things that I do. Three things that I do every day. The first one is this. I name three things that I'm grateful for. Why? Because that's an emotional thing. It sounds like, oh no, it's just a mental thing and it's a, it's a word thing that's coming out of my words. It's coming out of my mouth. No, it's an emotional thing. These words are affecting my body. It's a body thing. I need my body to start reacting and responding to the spirit in the right way. I need my body to feel the right thing. And so I will mention the three things that I'm grateful for. And even when I was driving here this morning, I mentioned the first thing I said I was grateful for. I was grateful for I had a church that I was, I was in love with. I was a church that I love to come together with, a church that I can trust. These are things that are so important. The second thing I, I, I thank God for and I, I was grateful for is I, I thank them for the teams that I've got here at the church that come early and set this whole place up, the lights, the chairs, the floor, the cleaning, the toilets. There are teams of people that come here in the morning to prepare for you and I so we can come and hear the word of the Lord. Okay, here's the second three things that I do. The second three things that I do is I pray for something. I'm asking God for something. I'm asking him for an intervention in someone's life. I'm asking him for blessing. I'm asking him for, 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 for an open door. I'm asking him to help us in the project of the church. I'm praying for something that is in front of me that I have no power or control over. And then the last three things that I do is I choose to do three things that day. That's your will. That's your psychological. You're choosing to do something today I choose to do this particular thing. It could be mow the lawn. And if that's what it is, then make that one of the things that you're choosing to do. Put your will into action. And as you're doing these three for three things all every day, you're doing something that's connecting your physical, your spiritual, and your psychological. Do you see how this works? It's really simple. The problem I think that we do in our lives is that we complicate things when it's better just to simplify things. All of what I just described on that screen is worship. Some of us believe that we have to get a hill song on the radio, or we've got to start feeling the moment, or I've got to get down on my knees and sing in spiritual tongues and songs and stuff in order to be in worship. No, this is worship right now. This is you being connected to God the Father by intentionally being in His presence by commanding your mind, commanding your body. 
Does this make sense to you all? I hope that this week, the next time you see yourself in yoga pants, that you'll start thinking about where is my battle? Is it in my mind or is it in my body? Believe me, the enemy is doing whatever he can to take you out of this battle, to make you stillborn, to make you useless, to make you insignificant, to make you inefficient for the kingdom of God. Being in the spirit is not as hard as you think it is, but being in the physical, in a physical right place, and a psychological right place, that's a different story. That's where our battle is. And what it will do is it'll open you up to be prepared to win it in the spirit, because God said he's overcome all things.